dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. It goes without saying that those in leadership want to lead well. But what are the elements that make a leadership effective, good, and even pleasing to God? Without a doubt, St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologica gives us some valuable insights when he talks about how God leads the world. If our leadership could be patterned on God's, we'd be sure to be doing something right. In this second of my six-part series, I focus on how good leadership makes the people who follow us more fulfilled in who they are. Welcome back to the St. John Leadership Network, where we're here to raise up saints to lead. And I want to talk with you today about a really important second part of the Treatise on Divine Government by St. Thomas Aquinas. And I know that that's a mouthful uh, for most of you who've only heard the name Aquinas somewhere in your Catholic history books. Uh, His writing is actually very pertinent to what we're doing, and it's extremely practical. I actually think it's one of the most explosive in terms of of content and possibilities of all the writings that I've ever read, which is why I want to give you these leadership lessons from Aquinas as something that you can take home with you. Number one, that'll make you proud. Proud of the intellectual heritage of the Catholic Church, right? Intellectual heritage of the Christian body as a whole. Uh, which is, I mean, absolutely astounding. We are, after all, a church that was at the bedrock of the one, some of the most wonderful institutions in Western civilization today. And we should be proud of that. And St. Thomas Aquinas gives us an example of, an, of a thinker who really allowed all of the ancient philosophies to come to bear in his quest for the highest of things. So I love reading him. Number two is because I really think that what he has to say today is at the principle of things, meaning strikes at the very root of what you and I are trying to do in our organizations, and I think it can be eminently practical. So I want to go into it, uh, you know, explaining what a treatise is. So St. Thomas Aquinas wrote this big book called the Summa, and uh, that means that, you know, the, the summary or the height, the, the, the summarization of theology. It's basically like a little handbook Uh, that he wrote to help people get through theology. Um, And in it, he breaks down his subject matter into treatises, which are a series of questions. And we're going to be focusing in on question question 105, articles two and three. So in this particular question, he broke it into different articles. And each of those articles form a question. Each of the series of questions forms a treatise. And what we're looking at is the treatise on divine government for this reason. This is how God leads the world, okay? So you can understand it when in a different perspective. You can go into the Bible and look at how God saves Israel and saves the world and how he does that through leaders. That's going to be a fascinating study we'll do later on. But this is really uh, getting into the essence of things, kind of asking more of an abstract question, which actually becomes more practical. And that abstract question is, when we say that God is in charge of the world, what do we mean? 
Good question, right? It's like a little quick little kid would ask that. You're like, he got the whole world in his hands, Jimmy. And then Jimmy says, yes, but what does that mean, mom? Right? And you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> it means, and then you're going to answer. Well, that answer that you're going to give to that awesome question by little Jimmy is actually the same answer question that St. Thomas Aquinas is asking here in the Summa Theologica. He says it means essentially two things. Number one is that God keeps everything in being, meaning he maintains the existence of all things, right? So that's great. That's good to know. We can't just vanish into thin air, that God is actually sustaining the world. And the second thing is that God is actively moving all things to their proper flourishing and end. Now, what this, this is really where, where it gets practical for us because just like a father of a family, you've got two essential roles. On the one hand, you have to provide for your family, right? Make sure that they, everyone's got the clothes, their shoes, their school tuitions, whatever that is. And then the second thing you have to do as a dad is you have to educate, which means then that's where it really gets you know tricky <laughs> because you've got to help each one of those little kids to develop into the fullness of who they can be. And that process is a process where you and your beloved wife become like God because God is doing just that for you and for me and for absolutely everything that he has created. He sustains it in existence. That's like us providing for our family. And then he brings all things to their flourishing and to their final end, which is, of course, like you who are educating and rearing your family. So that there you kind of see, wow, this is actually very practical. I could learn how to be a great dad by watching how my father in heaven works with his universe. And I'd say, absolutely, welcome to the St. John Leadership Network, right? It's exactly what we're trying to do. I could learn how to be a great boss in my company by taking the leadership lessons also from God. And I say, yes, that's just it. It's just that you have to apply it a little bit differently. You have to understand how work is unique from the family, et cetera, different, different arrangements. But essentially, it's the same thing. If I'm in leadership, I've got two essential jobs. I've got to keep everything alive and I've got to make it great, right? So, when I, so now, organizationally, you take a look at that and you say, well, what is Aquinas going to teach us? Very first article he talks about, he says, there is a government. And that's the very first beautiful thing to recognize. We talked about this last time, that in fact, leadership is a gift from God. And Christian leadership is a leadership that is informed by that spirit of God directly in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we have nothing to be ashamed of. Then he goes on to articles two and three, which I want to look at today. And he, he really brings us to a beautiful conclusion. He says, the goal of that leadership is as high as its origin, right? So since God made the whole world, the whole world is destined for its consummation in God. <laughs> now that is a really optimistic foundational, you know, point of view that allows us to not be abashed in what we're doing. You know, dads aren't there, contrary to the communist, you know, reading of the book of Genesis, where it, it pivots and, and posits the devil as kind of like uh, the, the ultimate humanism, the ultimate humanist saying the only way that man can rise is if he rebels against God, that God is an authoritarian figure that crushes us and keeps us down. And we have that in the back of our heads. So when we go to parent our children, we're almost apologetic. Like, you know, my role, honey, is to get out of your way. What the whole... I'm sorry, but that's not what the rest of the Bible teaches. That critique 
of authority is not in consonance with what Jesus Christ teaches us about authority, where authority is actually a service that helps protect you by guiding your freedom to its consummation and protecting you from everything that could assail and water down the spirit of your heart, right? So when you, when you don't exercise authority, you actually leave a person to wander into corruption and wander into failing. And so leaders like parenting, it's, it's just the contrary. It's I, I need to be there. My leadership is a blessing. And Aquinas gives that perspective because when you assert your leadership in your organization, in your team, wherever you are, you orient it towards what is good. And everything that is good, he's going to teach us here, is a reflection of the infinite goodness, which is the longing of every human heart. And this makes sense when you, when you really think of it, you break it down. This does make sense. This is actually what's operative inside of us when we say, I want to be good. I want to be a good person. I want my company to be a healthy and vibrant place. What we're saying is we, we want to steer ourselves in a direction that is really ultimately satisfying. And that ultimate satisfaction actually can't even be just in an earthly measure. It's always hearkening back, listening to this ultimate good, which is in God. And what a blessing to say that when I influence my family, when I influence my team, when I lead my company authentically in the truth, I'm doing the work of God and bringing all of us one step closer to the happiness that God intends for us. I know this can sound a bit like a, a hero's tale, but I guess I see each human being as a hero. <laughs> and I think God does too. And the moment that we start to look at ourselves in that perspective, well, what we do in our leadership becomes all the more important. Does your family matter? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a family mission infographic that will help you focus on your family. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So St. Thomas Aquinas' treatise on divine government is, 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 an, is a marvel, right? And it has so much depth into it. And we understand what he's trying to say. He's saying, as God leads the world, that becomes the pattern for my leadership in an individual way, in my family, etc. So I'm not God, I understand that. But the principles of what government is, those actually are inscribed in the very way that God relates to his creation. And that's a beautiful thought. That leadership, in other words, is not arbitrary and it's not made up by pop psychologists. Leadership theory, it shouldn't be. Christian leadership theory, anyway, is actually reading into how God relates to the world and then conforming my influence over the world to that same pattern so that I can really be in my small little way and in a humble little way a, a, an instrument of God's working in the world. Because I'm convinced, as Aquinas teaches us, that the end goal of all of this is so that the universe become good, that people be fulfilled, that all of us rise into genuine advancement, a progress that's not just economic, and that, but that actually is human, right? And when, when we can do that, we'll resemble in our own fulfillment something of the perfection of God. Something of it, meaning that not will be, you know, according to God's perfection, but that 
as God is perfect, we will also be perfect. And that's what we're laboring for. And we do this by organizing things and by organizing human behavior and creating a place of virtue and a genuine culture where the soul can, can truly flourish, etc. Okay, so now Aquinas then asks this amazing question in Article 3. He says, is it better to be governed by many or by one? And obviously we're thinking back to all of the discussions about kings and democracy and authority and politics. And yeah, there's something about that. I mean, you know, Aristotle has his opinions and the Middle, middle Ages were influenced by those Aristotelian you know, uh, positions, etc. But that's really not where I want to go here because that's not really of, of, of essence to the argument of whether or not a king or a democracy is better. Aquinas goes into saying it is better to be ruled by one because if you're ruled by one, then you, you know the end goal. The end goal is unified, clear, understandable, and it doesn't change. So he says, even if there's a group of many people who rule over you, a group of like a board, for example, running a company, the board, for example, is only going to be effective in its government insofar as it's united. And that's why we have the mechanism of a board of a vote. It doesn't really matter if the board is, you know, votes one way with a lot of emphasis or not. That's the secondary question. The decision of the board is made on the majority vote because there the united voice of the board is, is, is made clear. We even have that expression, the unanimous. And unanimity isn't 100%. We define unanimity. We say unanimity is two-thirds or unanimity is three-quarters of the vote, right? It's kind of funny. So it doesn't have to be, it just means that this is the decision that we are standing with as a board, meaning that we had to unite in order to lead. That principle of unity, that united status, is what allows people underneath you to follow you confidently. Why? Because if there is one decision, then there's one pathway. And where there's one pathway, there's a certain truth that allows us to progress. And so Aquinas looks at the universe and he says, it is much better for the universe to be, de- to be governed by one because it gives a real clear goal to everyone who exists here on the earth. We know who we are because we, because we know whose we are. And when you know that you came from the one God and that he's calling you to grow in, along his pathways to come to know him, it gives you a real clear truth about what you should and shouldn't do and the decisions that you should and shouldn't make, right? We, there's a decision that's made there and we're able by following that decision to come into a fullness of who we are. In other words, we find our identity when we find our maturity. And we find our maturity when we reach the goal that we know we can achieve of who we are. Uh, There's a responsibility, in other words, a sense of ownership. When, When you get to someone who's older in their life and they've accomplished many things, they know who they are. Right? Especially if they've accomplished something from the inside, like, like a marriage, or they reared their children. They've touched, they've gone through sorrows, and they've gone through the heights of glory. They've had the, you know, the passions and the furies of life. And as they've gone through all these things, they've tested themselves against the challenges of life. And those very challenges have become the touchstone that's allowed them to know the depths of who they are. 
the more that you've been challenged, the more that you've suffered, the more that you've gone through, the deeper knowledge you have of not only your limitations, but also of your capacities. And obviously, when we meet the Lord in all of those things, we recognize how much he carries us and how much he loves us. It, it, when, when a person is young, they're still untried. And being untried, they're still a little bit unknown. There's something refreshing and relaxing when you know someone who has gone through the great combats of life because you say, I actually know this person is going to be able to carry it out. Look what they've done in the past, right? The resume of your human experiences gives a, a sense of identity, right? After a person has lost many things, you know where they stand and you know where their values really are. And God doesn't hesitate at all to bring his creatures to that kind of perfection, that kind of identity. As a matter of fact, he allows many things to happen in our lives in order to bring us to that character of being able to lift our heads up and say our name. This is who we are. And this is how God governs us. He doesn't govern us by taking identity away, taking freedom away. He governs us by giving us freedom in order that we can claim identity and that he can reveal to us in and through our own choices in life the real truth about who we are, what our name is. And this is really the end goal of God's government, to give us ourselves, not in an overly humanistic way, not in some sort of you know, way outside of faith, but God loves you. He loves who you are. He loves your unique soul. He loves the power of your unique gift of love. Nothing can replace you, and he doesn't want anything to replace you. You are a diamond held in his hand. But do you know that? And are you willing to freely claim that identity? A lot of us today, we prefer to hide. Hide who we are. Run away into what other people say about who we are. Give our name to other people to pronounce instead of letting God himself pronounce it. And we do that in the name of comfort and of safety. And, and so God calls us into leadership where it's not comfortable and it's not safe in order that we find therein a reflection of his deep love for us and that he allows us through those things to understand the real depths of our identity. God never leaves his creatures anonymous he calls us by name. Would you like your business to become a virtuous workplace? Would you like Father Nathan to come to an event in your town? Visit www.stgiantleadershipnetwork.org slash our-events and join for free today. So St. Thomas Aquinas has a lot to say, obviously. We're at question 105, article 3 of his treatise on divine government. And, and Aquinas here gives us just this incredible insight saying that the unity of the leader is there to produce the unity in the follower. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, our Latin, knowledge of Latin is difficult. And so we, we say, what does that mean? The unity of the leader equals the unity in the follower. And I get it. It, it is hard. That's why it's St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> That's why it's philosophy, okay? But if, if you could put it in other words, he's saying that the fact that the leader has laid out the course for each one of us 
allows each one of us to freely choose to engage ourselves in the truth of who we are. He's saying that the, the truth of your identity is not a mixed bag of questions. And the truth of the identity of each of the people whom you are leading is not a mixed bag of questions. Like, well, we're not quite sure what we are. <laughs> He's like, no, that's the beauty of the thing. There's one creator and therefore there's one plan. He knows what he has created and he's given us the, the, the nature that each one of us has. Then he's left us to say, I want you freely to engage yourself to perfecting that nature that I've given you. Okay. So now the plan is clear and the choice is clear to be or not to be right. That is the question to be fully human or not to be fully human. That is the question. It, there's not a multiplicity of questions. That's the genius of Aquinas. Now, where that becomes important for us, especially as leaders, is because he's giving us therein insight into something that is very practical for us as well. The team that I am leading is a team of human workers. It's not a team of, of potential where anything could happen. It's a team of human workers. And I need as the manager or as the leader of the company, the owner of the endeavor, the manager of the team to conform my decisions into what's going to be best for this team and for each of the members thereof. Right? So all of a sudden there's a, a distinct pathway. I can't just recreate management, right? This is not something I can just make up on my own. We're going to do things totally differently and be successful. I mean, you might be able to do things differently on a superficial level, but foundationally, in order to get a person to move from point A to point B, certain things are necessary, like a mission that is compelling, a plan that is clear, a, an encouragement that is constant, and a collaboration that is open, right? There's four really easy qualities there that we could then examine ourselves as leaders and say, well, am I giving that? Because what I am doing, just like God created the world according to a certain sets of laws, maintains it in existence, and then allows that world by its laws and according to its nature to reach its fulfillment and perfection. Right? So in the same way, a leader has organized a group of people who are governed by a set of laws, of principles, of human understanding, human motivation. I can't, in other words, engage people to really give themselves to a project if they don't believe in the value of the project. A mission that's compelling, right? So what does that mean? I get them to engage in the, the real understanding. Of, well, do you show your people why what they're doing every day has value? Can we spend our time rehashing and re-going over the transcendent mission and vision for the company. And I get it. A lot of times you're like, well, it doesn't. It's all about money, et cetera. And I say, you're right. And to the degree that you say that, it's also going to be a degree to which you do not have the, the real engagement of the total talents of your people. If everyone's doing it just for money, I mean, it might be effective. It might, be, you know, it might even be necessary for a big corporation. I have no idea. But at the same time, it's not going to be fully human. You will have better leaders if your people really believe in the goodness of what you're doing, a mission that's compelling. The second thing is a plan that is clear, right? So just like, do, have we enunciated not a, a, a total set of options, but a clear decisions with clear markers? 
And that, it could take a long time to do that. It's a whole process to get to that point. But if our people lack clarity, they will also lack engagement. Because a human being Rick recognizes that when I'm getting delegated tasks or a, a, a mission to accomplish that comes from another, my goodness will be in how well I effectuate that mission. So the, the person who's leading and creating that task owes it to their followers to take the effort to make sure that it is clear. Uh, is the encouragement constant? The third principle here. And, and, and well, again, from as the one calls me into accomplishing great things, uh, be it my boss, be it my board of directors, so the one owes it to me to support me as I endeavor to do those great things. That constancy in management to, to give the support necessary for that person to engage themselves, it, it's necessary because when you're, when you're accomplishing a movement from point A to point B, you're stretching from where you are to where you are not, from what you have to what you do not have. And that stretch is a challenge. It's a challenge point, a difficulty that requires from the leader encouragement, support, uh, a, a, an approval process, something to keep them alive in the knowledge that that stretch and that discomfort that they're engaging is actually okay. And then finally, a communication that's open. That's just easy because if we're collaborating with each other and we don't have that possibility to communicate well together, how will we hold ourselves in order? This is the beauty of Aquinas. Right, he puts these things out for us as a big principle. We can draw from it very practical things for us to do. But what I want you to remember more than anything else is that the Lord has you in leadership as a service to the greatness and the identity of our people. Your service is not just blind. It's not just trying to make people happy. It's trying to make people better. How do I help you to authentically grow? And it's by looking deep down and saying, well, here's who you are. You are a child of God. You are a gift with talents. You are a human being with needs. And if I can dance with that reality of who you are, I can help you to freely consent to flourishing in, in who you are, be that in my family, be that in my workplace, be that in my friendships, wherever it is our job as christians is to defend the authentic humanity of every human being on the earth and to promote it so that by feeding it and by protecting it we're able to allow true humanity to rise under the eyes of god and by so doing we're his instruments and we lead the world after his example dare great things for christ Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.